the game is the game. Join me, your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, as I travel on a journey to meet people from a variety of professions to find out what made them excel in their field. Walk with me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three of the Game is the Game podcast. I'm your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt. And with me, I've got a very, very special guest, a very, very good friend of mine. I've called this episode the one about male fertility. And I pause there because some of you will immediately be listening saying, so what do you mean the one about male fertility? All of the previous episodes so far have been about a profession. And I will get into the particular profession that my guest has and the professions, I should say, my guest has had. But the the wider um, topic that we're going to be discussing in today's episode is around male fertility. So lock in, stay with it, because I promise you, you're going to really, really take some gems from this particular episode. But my guest is Rob Swain. Now, <laughs> depending on who's listening to this, some of you will know him. For different reasons, whether that be in the, the the personal training industry or fitness industry, some of you will know him through the football industry, and others may know him for all for for other reasons that I may not even know of. But um, Rob Rob is <laughs> I, I, Rob is a good friend of mine. But before that, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to admit that I would have looked up to Rob first and foremost because of his football career rob played for the team that i support and have supported since a child and rob rob captains that team for those who are listening to this you should know it's bromley football club um rob captained that team to promotion to their to the highest level they've ever played at in their in their history so he holds quite a significant uh place in the history and the the annals of bromley football club but that's not the primary reason why he's on but rob let me come straight to you because i've tried to give you a bit of an intro and i've probably not even done it justice how are you doing today, Rob? <laughs> Hello, mate. UK. No, I'm very, very well. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. Uh, really looking forward to it, actually. Really looking forward to it. But no, I'm really good. How are you? I am fine, Rob. And like I said at the top of the show, really, really glad to have you on. And um, you and I have discussed um, in the background before this episode about why I wanted to, to get you on. And like I say, I've called this episode the, the one about male fertility and we'll, we'll pivot to that chat in due course. But but. Let's set the scene. Let's let's set the background first and foremost, because like I say, different people will be listening to this episode for different reasons. Some know you as a footballer, some know you as a PT, and not everyone knows the the, the fertility story. And like I say, we'll get to it. But let's go to the football story um, first and foremost. Um, yeah, I won't reveal your age now. You can if you want, but you are officially now <laughs> retired. You are now officially retired from from football, uh, despite me trying to cajole you to to continue. Um, and not call time and that you are you are done now and I guess in your own words how because when people think footballer they they will think ah oh, somebody who's played in the Premier League or at the very very top of the game and I, I'm not ashamed to say you are a footballer in my eyes you had a professional football career it doesn't matter what the level is you had a professional f- football career with distinction but I'm always intrigued to know how a footballer views their own career so how when you look back now as a retired footballer what do you say about your own career yeah I mean it's a funny one isn't it because you get so many people who say no it's in, unless you've played league two and above um you've not been a professional but then a lot of people argue well, hang on most most of the teams in the conference are full-time a lot of teams in the conference get paid more than what league two footballers do so it's a tough one I've always said I'm a person I personally have always said I'm a personal trainer. I also play football. I've never said I'm a personal trainer. I'm sorry, big pun. I've, n- I've never said I'm a professional footballer, but I also PT. I've always used the PT first. I think when I first started out my career, I was obviously playing uh, Billy Ricky in the Ryman Premier League. Mm. So I, th- I don't, you know, I don't think necessarily you can class that as professional football. But as I made, made my way up, joined Bromley, started, you know, going full time, um, it probably did become into a professional. Uh, footballing background sort of um, per se so yeah I mean listen I've, I've I loved my career I really did especially the early stages of it um, in, especially at Bromley um, I've had the best memories some of the best memories of my life at Bromley 
Um, we all know, well, I say we all know, you certainly know that I made a big mistake within my Bromley career in terms of I chased the money. I, I was doing really well at Bromley and I decided to leave. I got sucked into ridiculous money at Billy Ricky, dropped down two levels because the way I, the way I saw it was this is a three and a half year contract on ridiculous money. This is on my doorstep. This is going to set me up for life, um, wrongly or rightly. And I now decide that it was wrongly. But at the time, it felt, even though it felt wrong, it felt right because I was thinking of my future family. Um, so that was the biggest mistake of my career. And that kind of, from that time onwards, obviously it didn't quite work out with Billy Ricky. I think most people know why for, for many people. And then that, that time onwards, I kind of fell out of love with the game. Um, and I think my mistake of doing it because of the money was the reason behind that. You know, as I said, I had some brilliant memories at Bromley. I was playing regularly in the conference, um, had a great connection with the fans and the club and loved it. And the moment I went back to Billy Ricky, nothing against Billy Ricky the club now. It's, I think it's run very well now. But at the time, since making that mistake, I kind of, I never got back to that love for football again. I kind of resented myself for making that decision and um, never got back to it. But as I say, I've my, the, the first half of my career in particular, I had lots of um, lots of success, won a fair few leagues, won a few cups, uh, and scored a lot of goals from centre half. So had a great career. As I say, had that regret with that leaving at the time. But it is what it is. I've made my decision. There's no point me sulking about it. R- met some great people. Some some of my very close friends now are people that I met through football. Um, come to my wedding, you came to my wedding, you know, so I've, I've met some great people along the way and I've accepted the fact that, you know what, I'm 34 now and don't get me wrong, listen, I, I think I could play on. I'm not saying I, I could now play at the conference, but I, I could carry on playing on, but my lack of love for it um, has meant that I don't. So I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm sort of at peace with that as well. I've accepted, I don't miss it. You know, I see some of the boys on social media and it's great to see them like buzzing about winning and scoring and that kind of stuff, but I genuinely don't miss it. I really don't. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy with how everything is now. You're touching a lot there. So I'm just going to, just going to unpick a few things there. Yeah, of course. Which, yeah. Uh, were quite interesting because I'm, like I say, I'm wary of people listening to this and there might be some lessons in there. Let's go with the, f- let's go to the end before I go to begin, actually. You say you fell out of love with the game, and I've heard this from quite a lot of footballers over the years. People who have played at lower levels than you, higher levels than you, but they've always used that phrase where they say, I just fell out of love with it, and they just drift away from the game. And if I've known them on the same level that I've known you, I'm always like, yeah, but you, you've always played football. You've enjoyed football since you were 15 or 40, whatever age, coming up. How do you fall out of love? with the game and I guess it should be I guess many part of me is like well it should be no different to a profession that would be like me saying ah oh, falling out of love with teaching I want to move on to something else but be, I guess because football is so much part of the national psyche in this country and so many fans are sucked into it that we sometimes as fans are like nah how can you fall out of love with the game it's the game is still the game you know so what was the moment where if you can talk me through that, what, do you remember the moment where you kind of woke up maybe one Saturday and said, nah, screw this, I'm done with this. Like, this is a waste I mean, of my time. Yeah, I mean, t- to be honest, yeah, it probably was for the for not so not even so much football reasons. It was when I went to Billericay and obviously, you know, we all know who was running it and that kind of stuff. And you, it was like you weren't playing for a football club. You know, you felt so pressured to play. If you made a mistake, you were in trouble, you know, um, People, people getting threatened left, right and centre. It wasn't football. And because it went on for so long, it kind of made me, oh, I don't know. It's almost like you forget what football was meant to be. And then mm-hmm. after leaving Billy Ricky, I joined a few different clubs. And as I say, because of the first half of my career, I had so much success. I was always in winning teams, always doing really well, well, predominantly. And then the clubs I went to um, didn't do particularly well. And you know, any football player will tell you, when you win a game, there's no better feeling it's unbelievable your weekend is set you know you're the you're the nicest person around when you lose and i know everyone takes it differently but i i hate losing i hate losing in training let alone an actual match so when you're when you start playing for teams and you, you know consistently losing and it's harder it's really hard especially when you've gone from lots of success lots of success going to a club where it's not run properly and it's let's face it a complete shambles mm. and then you try and get back into it but you're joining clubs and you're not doing particularly well um 
it was that really. It was the going from the winning to the constant losing and, and all that rubbish in between. And I just kind of thought, you know what? And and in the background, you know, my my work was doing really well. I went from I know we'll touch on this later, but my mm. my face to face PT went to online PT. Yeah, and it's the best thing I've ever done. So I was having lots and lots of success with that, and I was realising, hang on, I've, I can actually have so much more time on my hands to spend with Victoria, to spend with um, now spend with little George, that kind of stuff as well. So it was it was. The time, the time as well. You know, for me, I, I've never been a good trainer in football. Um, I was always the worst player in training. I was rubbish. I was never good in training. Um, on the on the pitch, ninety minutes, I was great. But for training, I never, I never enjoyed it. So the thought now that that was one. Th- to be honest with you, I I thought in my head a few years ago, do I do I give it up? Do I play? Do I play? And, and one of the deciding factors was the thought of training twice a week. Now is is hell to me. Like actually going there, traveling, probably spending three hours on a Tuesday night, three hours on a Thursday night and not enjoying it, especially now I've got little George and, you know, that kind of stuff is just, yeah, that was probably one of the big deciding factors. Was there ever a point, and obviously we, we're going to talk about your, your your personal training, but, and it's interesting because at the beginning, you, because I did you a disservice because you said I'm, I'm, I'm a personal trainer who played football, not a footballer who was a personal trainer. Was there ever a point in your football career where you thought I'm gonna jack in this personal training stuff and really make a go at it or was that never really because and I say this because again Rob you have to not everyone who listens to this will understand how the the under league two not everyone's gonna understand how the non-professional slash professional game works under league two so you can be (laughs) you can be pro in the national league slash conference depending what people want to call it and still have a job on the side or you can be fully pro um and not have your job because there was some silly money going around at certain points in time in the game did you ever reach a point where you thought actually let me just focus on football full time and come back to my, my my actual job later or did you ever do it in fact so what there wasn't and the reason there wasn't is because I've always thought, whenever I've thought, I've always thought I want to provide for my for my future family. Because even at the mm. time before I even thought about having kids, I always thought to myself, look, because listen, I'll be honest with you, at Bromley I was earning really good money, but I was mm. still working every hour under the sun as a personal trainer, earning really good money there as well. Because I always thought, well, this is me setting my future family up. Um, and even when I went to Billy Ricky and the Billy Ricky money was, was ridiculous, you know, we're talking sort of League One money, like I was still working every single hour under the sun. Because listen, and for any young, young, footballers listening to this football money doesn't last forever it doesn't last forever i had i had teammates earning three or four hundred quid a week but they weren't even working and i was like mm. what are you doing like and these aren't young lads who are potentially going to make it these are like mid-20s people i'm like what? And they're like yeah but it's, it's all right money for part-time football and i'm like you're mad like you should be full-time working as well and this is this should be the almost a supplement for that so i've just always had that mindset of um do as much as you can while you can. Because what, what would happen as well if all of a sudden I'm playing for Bromley and I break my leg and, and I'm retired forever? What have I got yeah. to fall back on? Because then you've got to start thinking, shit, actually, I've now got to do this, now I've got to do this, and then build it all up. So if I had two things going on at once in terms of the, the personal training and the football, if one went wrong, I've almost always got the other one to fall back on. So, yeah. That makes sense. Let me put a, let me, let me put a challenging question to you, which in fairness, you can't really answer till the moment presents itself. <laughs> But let's just say football inability runs in your family. <laughs> and let's just say 15 years from now, George is in an academy for, for whoever. I don't know. <laughs> what, <laughs> what advice do you envisage you giving him 15 years from now if he's showing some ability as a footballer? Show what? Like myself, I'm a twin. I don't know if you know. You know, of course you know. Of course, that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a twin, and growing up, we were um, we were both always the best in our team. Um, so, well, so we were told. Um, we were always getting scouted um, and all that kind of stuff. But we never, we never really went. Like, um, I don't think we were comfortable going. Like, we were quite. Um, I suppose not scared is the word because we was young and we thought oh, shit we can't really do that and we always we'd rather go it sounds ridiculous I remember we got scared for Charlton to play one game and we decided to play uh, to go to a school disco instead of going and playing for Charlton <laughs> little things like that I look back at it now I think what what were you doing so my advice to him would be if you're into it and you enjoy it give it everything you've got and I'll obviously back you and I'll you know be taking you around and that kind of stuff at the same time you have to remember like 
how rare is it for people actually at these academies to make it? It's so, so slim. It's so slim. And again, going back to any, if any sort of young lads are listening to it, like it's so much more important that you're enjoying it and you're actually playing. Like there'll be players who will move clubs for an extra 50 quid a week and not play. It's, yeah, it's yeah. madness. It's so much more important that number one, you're enjoying it and two, you're playing. Like, like throughout my career, I always said that to any youngsters sitting on the bench going, lads, would you not rather drop down a, a league play and get seen and a few of them actually did it listened to me did it and then and, and went on to bit bigger and better things so mm. i get it don't get me wrong when you're 17 and you're young and you, you you know get on the bench for the first team of course that's unbelievable at the same time you have to protect yourself and a lot of managers in non-league and even league will use you as a bit of a scapegoat as a just just a, a name and a number on the bench like with yeah. no real intention to play you anyway and that, that's going to get you nowhere so um i'd be saying to him look you know Take it seriously if you enjoy it. And if you're, if you know, you, I'll know as his father if he's shown some abilities. So I'll know whether, you know, it's right, right or wrong for him or not. But yeah, obviously, my advice would be give it everything you've got, take it seriously, but at the same time, enjoy it. 100%. So you've made reference to PT. And if we pivot across to, 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 the, to, to, to PT, so <laughs> for, for people listening to this, you may not know that. <laughs> Rob was actually my PT <laughs> at one point in time. And I, I don't know if I still hold the title as the laziest person that Rob has possibly trained in his entire life. But, um... I remember, I remember, mate, you, I used to come to pick you up from the station. You'd be hiding in Tesco's to, to make sure the session was less time. <laughs> but, but um that was about i don't know that was maybe like five years ago now or something like that yeah and, five, um, six years ago. where your business is now compared to then and, and the thing is you were always doing all right you always had a healthy stock of clients you were never struggling or you may have yeah. been in the beginning but certainly when i was you were trading me you were never struggling for clients if anything you might have been a tad oversubscribed but where you're at now with your business and you might want to set the scene for people who don't understand because i think sometimes what uh, i could be speaking out of turn here so correct me if i'm wrong pts can get like a bad rep probably because there's some cowboys out there making pts get a bad rep so when i like go on your website now and people who uh, listen to this look in the com uh, look in the descriptors below i'll put the link to rob's website if you if you want to if you want to hit him up but um, but where you are now with your your website and your business just talk me through i guess how did you make the jump to to what it is now because from an outside looking in it looks super successful um almost to the point where you could probably take a step back and make other people be doing it instead of you yeah, so I was um, I was a face to face PT, and God, that must I must have started face to face PT in probably about ten or eleven years ago. Like I've always done it on the side, obviously alongside football. Um, yeah, you're right. I was I've I did really well for me. It was I was always busy. Uh, never never sort of quiet. Never dead. Was 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 going really really well. Um, it was only when lockdown actually first happened when COVID started being apparent because I'd never really even heard of online coaching, um, mm. and. Obviously, everything got shut down. Even my studio, you've been to my studio. So I work in a, in someone's house, actually, effectively above their swimming pool. And, you know, the, the rules were the rules. They said, look, no, you know, because obviously we tried, you know, we tried spending rules, of course, at, at times. Um, no, you know, you're done. So we, we weren't training anyone. And I, I had two options, really. It was either stand still, try and apply to the government for funding or whatever that kind of stuff was, or... Mm. So remember who actually mentioned it to me in the first place was Damien Scannell. Yes, Damo, uh, good friend super, of Damo. Super Dad, is it Super? Yeah, super, so he, yeah he's yeah. flying. Yeah, Damo, yeah. Um, good friend of mine, and uh, and he mentioned it to me, and I'd, I'd never really even heard of it. Oh my coaching, what's that? So I looked into it, and yeah, I thought, buddy, that's great. And I actually realised now, since becoming an online coach, what a disservice I used to—not in the later years of my PT, but certainly the early stages. I, I used, when I first became a PT, and I, look, the, the the company I went with and did my exams with it kind of shows how just how easy it was to pass because I thought it was literally a case of train someone for an hour. Cool. See you later next time. That's it. Don't speak to them again. Mm. I, my, as an online coaching client, big pardon, as an online coach now, and I'll get into it, like how it works. Like I speak to my clients all the time and that accountability is so, so important. So, mm. um, yeah, so lockdown happened. I, I said, I'm an online client. I've got a couple of clients, um, straight away. I've got, I've got a sort of a good following from, um, on Instagram. So I've got a couple of clients straight away and how it works is, 
I would give them, I'd work out their sort of the calories and macros, give them nutrition help. I'd give them a workout program based around what they have access to, what they like doing. Because it's, it's important, you, you know, you enjoy it, what you're actually doing. Then they would check in with me once a week. What that would entail is, you know, filling in a questionnaire, asking about how their week's gone, the calories, everything, basically everything I need to know. I would always mm. check in with them a couple of times a week anyway to make sure they're okay. They have direct access to me. They can message me on WhatsApp 24-7. And as I'm explaining this now, you probably, you probably realise that the complete difference between training someone in the gym for an hour and just, you know, yeah. see you later, see you next time. And actually then on the, on the online coaching perspective, giving them nutrition help, giving them accountability, constant support, a workout program. And that I literally say to my clients now, because there's a lot of coaches out there who will say to their clients, you can only message me between these two hours in the day. And that yeah, kind of nonsense. Yeah, yeah. For me, I'm just like, listen, message me whenever you want. I'll get back to you as soon as I see it. And I think my clients appreciate that. And yeah. And you know what, obviously lots of social proof on my page of people who've mm. done well, who let's face it, that's, you know, that's what gets you business. Um, obviously, you as a person does as well. Um, I, I do lots of videos, speaking to the camera. I, I try to give out as much helpful stuff as possible. I effectively, I give I give free fat loss tips. I give a lot of value to my customers, my clients, even even, um, which helps them. It helps them build trust. And then, if that's not enough, because let's face it, everything I teach people is out there on the internet, but people yeah. still can't see results. So it's it's that accountability and support that is is massively important. And yeah, you know what? It's it's the best thing I've ever done because with PT, I was working every hour under the sun. So, you know, I'm, I'm training what 13, 14, 15 hours a day. Mm. Tiring, mate. When you start getting to, you know, the, the 10th hour, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my watch thinking, Jesus Christ, I can't wait to go home. And then you realize that you're, you then probably give your next five clients a disservice because you look yeah. tired, you're hungry, that kind of stuff. Whereas now I can train people. I've got clients all over the world, Dubai, Australia, yeah. Bahrain, like all, all around the world. And I'm working a lot less hours. Um, a lot less hours a day so i have much more time on my hands to see victoria to see george and, and that kind of stuff so it's it's unbelievable it's really good i do i do you mentioned it i do have a couple of coaches under me as well mm. um who run i have like a, i have two programs i've got a one-to-one coaching i've got another program so i do have a couple of coaches who kind of run that as well um yeah. so yeah the 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 chance to build and build and build is there if you if you want to do it um but no i'm in a really really good place at the moment with it it's it's, it's really successful um, and I'm loving it to be fair. And I, I am genuinely really passionate about it. Like I can't tell you when, when my clients check in with me and they say like, bloody Rob, I'm absolutely buzzing. I've, I've lost this weight. I haven't lost this weight for this many years. Rah, rah. I love it. I absolutely love it. Like I think I'm more excited than they are. So that, <laughs> that helps as well. It's not just about having a successful business. It's actually, I really love helping people. And that's why on my Instagram page, I'm constantly putting out just free information, free help because, um, there is no obesity problem in in not only in in the country in the world pretty much so um i like to try and help people whether they're my clients or not i was going to reference your instagram page because um obviously i follow you and um you'll often do like story updates um i know you'll like be walking in the park and you'll give some advice of like like almost like tips of the day um you'll ask people to ask you questions about um keeping in shape or fat loss or whatever it might be and this is what i'm about to say to you is so glib and it's such an it's like what i'm about to ask you is like me saying to a comedian tell me a joke then but i'm still going to ask you all the same (laughs) (laughs) because i don't again whoever's there might be somebody listening to this right now going oh i do you know what i've never been able to to get on top of my weight issue so other than join your company other than join you and get in touch with you and start start taking start taking um sessions with rob um what would you say to the average person about where they go from all your years of experience, where do people go wrong when it comes to going to the gym, not seeing results, paying the PT to do stuff and nothing's really happening for them. They're saying I've done this, but I still look like this, etc. Yeah. From your experience, what's the like, I don't know, give how many top two, so, top but, three, what, the, what, what's the, it boil down to really and truly? The, the biggest mistake I see and what it boils down to, and again, even when I first became a PT, I even thought this as well, because um, people think they burn a lot more calories doing exercise than they, than they actually do. Mm. And they prioritize exercise over nutrition when actually, if you're trying to lose weight, nutrition is by far the most superior, superior aspect. Um, I say, I, I use this example on my page all the time. I say to people, you could literally sit on a chair and not move all day and still lose weight because effectively mm-hmm. how to lose weight is calories in versus calories out. Now mm-hmm. the principles of that are really, really easy and really basic, but what people find tough is implementing 
the things to make that happen you know yeah so um effectively you have to consume less calories than you are burning to lose weight and people you know i get people say to me rob i've i've hit the gym seven times this week and i haven't lost any weight in fact i've gained a pound what's going on i'm like because as much as exercise is great for great for you of course mentally physically i get that but it's not believe it or not it's not actually that good for burning calories like an average person let's say an average female goes to the gym for an hour. She probably only, even though the watch is telling her 600 calories, she's probably only doing 250 to 300 calories, but people think it's so many more. So if you, if you times that by seven, that's 2,100 calories across the week. That's just over half a pound. Whereas actually how much easier is it to just not eat those 300 calories in the first place? And again, I'm not saying don't exercise because I encourage people to exercise for, for the mental side of it massively. But that is the biggest mistake I see people, think they burn a lot more calories than they do working out and they don't sort of track their calories or or they miss mistrack their calories and you know how easy is it to go to the fridge and have a, a bar of chocolate or a square of chocolate but if you go to, if you do that every single time you go to the fridge it accumulates a hell of a lot of uh, um, bits of chocolate and people forget to track those calories you know so there's, there's always hidden calories people forget to track oils sauces that mm, kind of stuff it's you know yeah and even things like i'm getting, getting a bit too far into it now but like things like avocado of course that's perceived as healthy but i'll tell you what there's a hell of a lot of calories in an avocado and nuts a little handful of nuts people think yeah, but yeah, it's, nuts. it's yeah. good for you mate there are so many calories in nuts so yeah those, those are kind of the, the the most frequent things that i come across yeah thank you for that and i hope i hope that resonates um with some people uh listening to this and i'm glad you mentioned peanuts because i was going to say peanuts i one time i actually bothered to look at <laughs> Look at the calories <laughs> in some KP roasted, what are they called? Honey roasted nuts. Yeah, mate. Listen, that packet of honey roasted nuts <laughs> is about 600 calories. Yeah. It's insane. But yeah. I, don't, I don't think people, I think people look at nuts and go, well, there can't be anything in that. Of course, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So no, that, 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 that totally resonates with me um, in terms of um, calorie counting. But then, do you know what? You, you, and by you, I mean PTs, it's your fault as well, you know? <laughs> because i'm sure the average punter looks at you lot as pts and we'll see you lot munching loads of calories <laughs> <laughs> and you still you still got your six pack and everything's yeah, listen, looking great so we associate you training loads in the gym <laughs> with being able to keep that six pack because i, I see what you mean yeah I, I, do, I do understand what you mean because me listen i'll be honest with you i'm i'm very big on flexible dieting and this is another thing people think they have to cut out every single bit of food they enjoy and have to have chicken fish and rice and, and veg every every night which is simply not the case i genuinely eat crisps and chocolate every single day i'm not saying i have 10 chocolate bars and 10 bags i hope i might have one of each every day and by having that in moderation it's fine it's the same with alcohol listen you you can drink alcohol and lose weight, but there's a difference between going out and having five vodka diet cokes and going out and having ten pints every week. You know the the difference there in calories is absolutely huge. And it's not just the calories in it as well; it's then the after effects. It's the right, I'm drunk. What should I eat? Because I don't care. Because I'm not thinking yeah. about it. It's the broken sleep, which then leads to bad decisions the next day. I'll you know bollocks to it. I'll have a fry up because I'm I'm hanging. I'll have a pizza and then we'll go again Monday. And all of a sudden you've had two terrible days. You know, so it's that as well. Yeah, most definitely. So where, where in terms of your business now, fast forward, how, I'm sorry, actually, let me rephrase that question. How close would you say you are to where you want to be? Forget outside, so forget family for now, although we're going to get to that. Yeah. Um, just purely PT. Honest, how, on, honestly, yeah, um, honestly, 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 if it's saved how it is now, for another five ten years i would be absolutely over the moon even in truth if you know and i hope it doesn't of course and i'll always work as hard as i need to and as i can but even if my my business decreased in terms of you know revenue and and how busy it is 50 percent, i would i would still be over the moon so um i would still be helping lots of people achieve their goals um so yeah um i'm I feel like there's more important things now since George, I know you just mentioned we'll go back to the family, but since George has come here, that's, that's more important to me now. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm working hard. I'm working as hard as I, can, I ever, ever have done for George, mm. but ultimately he's more important than how successful my business is. If that, if that makes sense. You yeah, know? yeah. 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 100%. 100%. Um, and it would be remiss of me to not say it because there's still advice in there 
Um, there will be, uh, I don't know, how. who knows how far this podcast episode will reach, but for somebody who's considering that profession, um, personal training profession, etc. Again, you, you, you've been in the game now over 10 years and you've even hinted in some of the stuff that you said about mistakes or misconceptions you had when you first started out. Yeah. If you could change, sorry, if you could give some advice to somebody wanting to get into the PT game or if you could change anything about the PT game, what what would you say to like a, an 18-year-old, 19, 20, 21, whatever it might be, who's saying, yeah, that's that's my passion, but what advice would you give them about this particular industry? So, I mean, I would certainly find a good, creditable um, PT course because there's so many out there and a lot of these PT courses just want pass rates and ticks, you know. I remember when I did my exam, there was people who were sitting in the room, you, you could shout across the room like, John, what, what have you got for 34C? And he would just shout it back. Like, ridiculous. Like, literally, yeah. ridiculous. at the time, you laugh and you think, you know, what, I'm going to pass. But when you look back now, you think, actually, how much did I learn? Because I learned so much more from YouTube, from watching other PTs, from re- my own research than I did on my PT course. I'll be completely honest with you. So my first bit of advice would be find a good PT. And Joe, you know I'll be honest with you, because I haven't looked at these courses for, for years and years now, I wouldn't even be able to tell you which a good one is. But mm. try and find a, a good course and, yeah, take, take it seriously and just learn as much as possible um, for sure. And then, you know, you've got the option once you've passed of either joining a gym to get a bit of which would be the option probably because you, you know you're not going to have a client base ready um so i first joined the gym and worked for the gym did some hours for the gym got some pt clients that way mm. when i was comfortable and confident and had a client base i then went and just worked on my own and worked as you know in the, in the studio and built it up that way from social media but an important aspect to get clients is to have a good social media fa- a page with mm. lots of um valuable content i funny enough i just i made a comment on my on my instagram last night actually i came across a, a page just randomly it popped up so i looked on this and they were promoting online coaching and 99 percent of their picture or of their posts on instagram was just them posing in the mirror in skimpy outfits and i just thought like that's not how you get clients like you get yeah. clients by helping your following educating them giving free tips like building a bit of trust okay mm-hmm. you might be attractive in shape but it only goes so far you, you know so that, that would be my advice yeah but also, it's, and yeah, it's I've I've loved it. You know, with, with the P, with the with the face to face PT, I had a, it was great. I, my PT my, my PT clients became my friends. You know, it's it's really really social, so it's it's really good as well for that. So are you out of interest? Are you done with so what? You're done with one to one then, face to face. I train one couple because I was training them up for their wedding, yeah. and I said to them, I promise you, because I, I said to them, I'm not doing it anymore, but because of your wedding, I'll train you up until then. Um, they again, they become close friends of mine. Actually, I went. I, they invited me to the wedding in the end, so I went right. over to Marbella, and they said, "Can you carry on training?" So I just said, "You know what? Yeah, I, I like seeing them." Um, so yeah. I actually only train them. But other than that, yeah, I don't do any face to face. I just do the online stuff. Right. Interesting. Well, if anything, kind of suggests where you've got to that in that in itself. That yeah. In itself says yeah, that. definitely. Um. So at, at at the top of the show, I said this was called the one. Um, the one about male fertility. We've got we're half an hour in. I haven't even mentioned. <laughs> I haven't even mentioned male fertility. So, so for those people who who were who were listening and say, so when when you get into the topic, we're here now, people. Yeah. We're actually at the chosen topic. So, um, let me set let me set the background, Rob. Um, and I actually can't remember dates. You can barely remember dates. Uh, I I had to tell you to go and make sure you got your dates right. Yeah. But, um, I remember. I can't I can't even tell you the year but I, the fact that I can't remember the year tells you how long ago this actually pre goes uh goes back to yeah I remember you and I having a bit of a conversation um not in too much detail but you telling me that you were going down uh I think it was the IVF route I think that's, that's how it, the yeah. conversation we were having and the some of the kind of difficulties that that had involved and so on and so forth and obviously you've now got um you and Victoria now have young baby George, um, yeah, four, four months old, and um, and that's fantastic, and the story's great. But the reason why I ultimately wanted you to come on the pod was to kind of talk through that process. And I think the reason why it was so important to me is because after George was born, I saw you go on Instagram. Obviously, I'm made up for you, super happy. And uh, it, it was clear that it was a very emotional thing for you. And yeah. I think the months, weeks and months after George was born, you were on Instagram quite a lot talking about it. 
Yeah. And almost, it, it almost, it, it came across to me like it was almost cathartic for you to be, to just get it out, to just let people know, listen, this was, this was a process. Um, <clears throat> and when you kind of started saying some stuff on Instagram, I think you were getting messages back from people going, oh my God, that was inspirational. Yeah. Almost like there's a whole bunch of people out there who are also going through this and it's not spoken about. Um, yeah. Yeah. As, as wild widely if i go on twitter if i go on instagram i'm not going to instantly see um messages or posts about this kind of thing and i think what was quite key about your story as well and you were very open about it um where you were like listen this was about me as in you um it wasn't yeah. about victoria it was things yeah. that i had to get checked out and the reason why i want us to start at, at this point rob is because i think there's a misconception that if you say to somebody uh, a couple's having um concerns around pregnancy or anything like that i think people immediately pivot to it must be something to do with a woman Definitely. i think people immediately pivot there and i totally respected the fact that you just came out in the open and was like no no it's on me the the issue was on me and here's what people need to know so i'm going to hand over to you because i don't know where you want to start i'll let you start wherever you want to start but i just think there's a powerful story in getting this out to people because there'll be somebody <laughs> who may listen to this and be like Oh my god, that was so helpful. I thought I was um I thought I was going through this alone. Nobody really understands, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely spot on. Everyone everyone does just assume it's the it's the female, hundred percent. Um hundred percent. And for us, how it started was from from us starting to try to get George, it was it was about four years. Um mm. and you know, there were people that bloody struggled a hell of a lot longer than that. So we count ourselves very lucky. Um but yeah, it, and you, you realise when you start going going through it yourself how common it is. It, it is mm. so, so common. And what happened with us was we just thought, you know what? We weren't actually ready at the time to start trying. Yeah. But we thought, you know what? Let's just let's go and get checked and just make sure that when we are ready, um, we're okay. So we went to a place called Simply Fertility in Chelmsford, um, got checked. And yeah, it was actually a, a problem with me and my sperm um, that was the issue. So I had... Um, it was the morphology and the motility. So what that means is basically the morphology is the actual shape of the sperm um, mm-hmm. that can cause problems. And the, the motility is, they, they call them swimmers, whether, they, whether yeah. they can and swim swim to the egg or not. And basically I, I had low, low counts of that and it was, yeah, and th- those were the problems. So what happened was, and Victoria was absolutely fine. Um, Hold on, Rob, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in. Sorry, course, I should just talk, course, but it's, I want to break this down as much as possible to, to help the listeners. When you first got told, I'm intrigued to know what how you mentally responded to that, whether you said it to Victoria at the time or not. Like, was there a like a male <laughs> ego thing where you're like, oh my God, what's what's he saying? Did, like, how did you feel when you were told, listen, to be honest, there's an issue here? Yeah, you know what? It was at first it was like just trying to figure out how serious it was. Mm. Um so it wasn't it wasn't devastation straight away. Um yeah. it was kind of like, well, what does that mean? Like, is that, is this, is it incurable? Is it, you know, a run? I remember the doctor saying it's, it's highly, it's not impossible for you to get pregnant naturally, but it, it basically, it's not going to happen. Um, right. very, very rarity. So I don't know what, it's been so long that I can't, I can't remember exactly my emotions, but I remember at the time thinking, like, fucking hell, you know, this is my fault. Yeah. Um, when obviously you can't think like that, but, um, they gave us what, what happened was they gave us um, tablets to take that help are uh, meant to help with the sperm. I couldn't yeah. tell you what they were called or anything. They get you, but you buy them there and then come back in three months. So mm. we went away, took the tablets every day, that kind of stuff. Um, went back, no change. I think think and the the problem with this as well is because the doctor had said it's not impossible. It gave us a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of hope. So yeah. Even though deep down I knew it wasn't going to happen, um, Victoria very much had hope. So we, yeah. we were trying as well. And um, I think we I think we went back about another nine months later and there'd still be no change, but we had been trying, so to speak, um, each month and it not happening. So even though even though I knew deep down it, listen, it's not going to happen, every time Victoria would do a test, she'd, you know, be upset. Um, so, like, was the... When you sorry, when you first went to just find out, like, is everything okay? 
Yeah. Are you saying that hearing the news that it's unlikely to happen then made you want to try and get, do you see what I mean? Cause yeah, a hundred percent. Because we kind of thought, well, shit, you know, um, we need to get it sorted out because right, okay, how, we'll do, yeah. how long, how long is it going to take to get sorted? Yeah. You know? Um, so we, 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 we straight away went, right. We'll now, you know, we'll try, we'll try as, as, as frequently as possible. Um, we'll do everything we need to do. Try to clean up my diet a little bit, that kind of stuff as well. He, he, he you know, the doctor said, um, you need to be eating more of this, more of that, like more vegetables, like effectively have a cleaner diet. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think basically about a year went by and there had been no change. The, the, the last time I went back to them at that stage, there, there'd been no change. Um, so they kind of said there and then, you know, you, you, you've got to go through IVF, um, for, for this to happen. Like it's, you know, it's clearly not going to happen. This isn't improving. So the only way we do it is, IVF or or in matter of fact actually it was it was because of the problems my sperm had it was a thing called ICSI um there's two there's two there's one called ICSI one called IVF and the difference is um ICSI is because the sperms aren't very good swimmers they have to inject the sperm into the egg mm. IVF they would put put it into a dish with the egg and it yeah. was it, the, the sperm would swim and, and get in there itself so because of my sperm sample and not being strong enough it, the only route was ICSI yeah. So, yeah, we got told that, and we um, we decided we didn't want to go on the. Sorry if I'm jumping the gun or anything here now, but we we decided there was the option with the NHS. I was going to ask you, yeah. COVID was ripe. We thought, how long? Realistically, how long is this going to take? You know, yeah, we're. Yeah, yeah. I, I at the time I must have been thirty, and Victoria was must have been twenty eight. She's two years younger than me, or thirty one and twenty nine. And mm. you know, we started thinking, well. Do we, what if we're waiting a year, 18 months to then get an appointment? All that, you know, all that kind of stuff. We, so we just made yeah. it there and then look, whatever it costs, we're going private because mm-hmm. you can't put a price on this. It's priceless. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, in terms of, you know, it's, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. I mean, with, with the NHS, you can you get free, depending on your, it's mad, depending on your postcode. Yeah. Is how many free attempts you get. It's, yeah. It's it's actually all, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I remember even if we'd gone NHS, I, th- I think we might have had one or two or three ones. But then there's some areas that get four free, and some some will only get one. It's crazy how it, how it works. But that was NHS route. So we decided to go private. You can, depending on how, what the problem is, you can choose between one attempt, two attempts, three attempts, unlimited attempts. We because of my problem, we weren't um, eligible for the unlimited. So why? We, why, why? What's the as in because. I do you know what I'll be completely honest with you. I don't actually know. I don't remember what for what the reason was, but for whatever reason, because of the problem with my sperm, that meant we weren't um, eligible to, to go unlimited. I don't so again. They I don't so they basically said to you, you got three shots at this, and that's it. As or a, two as a, shots or whatever. Well, it was. no, you, you you could pay for one, two, or three, and then let's say you did the three and, and, and you were unsuccessful every time. You could then obviously go back and pay for another one or two. Oh, or three. right, I'm with you. Right, okay. okay. Um, in terms of a rough price of all, I think I think we went with the three attempts. It was either two or the three attempts, um, and I think with the medication, and it was about fifteen grand. Um, fifteen grand, I think. Yeah, I, I can't remember what the what the pricing with the other others were, but we did it. Yeah, so we, we went ahead with it, and um, I can tell you one thing: it was it was hell of a lot. It was a lot easier for me than it was Victoria. Um, I had to. I can't again. It was so long ago now. I couldn't exactly tell you exactly what was what, but I had to inject her every single morning, um, Sundays twice a day as well. So wait, wait, inject what? Um, inject things to get her ready for pregnancy. Inject, oh, some, you know, some, right, okay. sometimes it was hormones, sometimes it was other stuff. Again, I, where it's been so long now, I can't actually remember exactly what was what and the yeah. timings. But there was a, there was a hell of a lot of injections. Um, wow, she could either right. do it herself or I could do it for her. And obviously yeah. she, she, she tried once herself and just didn't want to do it. Um, yeah. which is understandable. So it was, it was tough. It was stressful. You know, some of them hurt. Um, yeah. it was, as I say, you know, it was a hell of a lot easier for me than it was for her. That's for sure. Um, but yeah. So you... that... Sorry, go on, Karen, Karen, actually Karen. Um, so basically that, yeah, that, that, that happens. So you inject, you, you inject, you inject, you inject. I think, I think at a time it was, I think it was about for 30 days. Um, mm. And then you get to a stage where they say, right, you know, uh, you, you go in, you go back in the, to the um, clinic. They'll say, yeah, you know what, we th- we think you're ready now for that. It's called a trigger shot, and the trigger shot is like the last injection to get them ready to do what's called an egg collection. Oh, egg collection yeah. being, yeah. yeah, yeah, physically taking the eggs out of Victoria. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So 
we did that. Um, we and then and that on the same day as their collection, I then have to go and give a sample. Yeah, effect, effectively. So is this me. what you're describing here? Is this all one time? So this would this would be one attempt. Yeah. So we, wow, we actually right, had, okay. we, yeah. So we we had a fail. We had one failed attempt. Yeah. And we were, we were very lucky second time. So the first time, yeah. So this was days and days and days and days of injections. Um, eventually, she's ready because of the hormones, the drugs, and that have worked. And then you do the tr trigger shot. Then I think it's the next day um, you do the egg collection, which is then taken out, and then me doing the sample. And then they effectively were injecting my sperm into the eggs. Um, and then what happens is over seven over over five days, some of the eggs don't work some of them do and the, they, they ring God, it's quite stressful they, they ring you after a few days to say look this is how many left blah, blah, blah. And i think the first time we start we, we, we had 24 which is amazing like victoria produced 24 eggs which is amazing like that's it's quite unusual to get that many so we you know yeah. straight away we're thinking oh, you know we've got a good chance here yeah. i can't tell you how many made it and that kind of stuff but after a few days maybe like there's only eight left and then, blah, blah, blah. And then i think we only end, we ended up with one i think it was in the end um so we end up with one and it was they, they get graded on how good the good the quality they are. Mm. So we got graded the best quality one um, you can get. Yeah. So it's, it's an A grade, they say it's beautiful, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So stupidly, when we were told that, we were yeah, it holds up. We were buzzing. We were thinking, yeah. you know what? This is this has worked. And um yes, yeah, so they put the egg back inside Victoria and then you, it's basically you, you bloody hope and pray. Mm. And um, I can't remember the exact time frame, but eventually Victoria bled and we realised it hadn't worked. Um, so it was, you know, yeah, devastating. Um, how, how, I'm not even going to ask you to describe how you felt, but what I am going to say is, so when it doesn't work the first time, like what's the time gap between I don't want to use the phrase, but you know I mean, what's the time gap? Between no, I don't mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go yeah. again. Like, yeah, so how do you even I, process that to then go again? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as I say, it was devastating. You know, you feel sort of hopeless. You think, oh, we've gone through that and bloody hell, you know, it's not worked. And is it ever going to work? And that mm. kind of stuff. Um, you have to wait. The females have to wait, to, I think, to get another period after that one. So effectively, you wait for a month. Yeah. You can then either go again or you can wait. You can, you know, some people might, not be ready and stuff and yeah. um we we so you know what it's terrible i can't i can't remember it's been so long i can't remember now exactly if we went i think we waited either a month or two months yeah and went again or was it joe you know what it's terrible i can't remember it, it might have been a christmas period and we and we and we waited for after that i can't actually remember but we went again we we, we gave it a second chance second go even um same thing all those injections again um a lot of stress, a lot of emotion, that kind of stuff. And we second round had 20, got 28 eggs. And amazingly, mm. actually, um, this time around, this time around, I, I had given up. I have a lot of caffeine, not yeah. even to keep me awake. I just, I have the monster energy drinks. I yeah, have tea, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have coffee, a big one, that kind of stuff. And the second time around, I've, I, I'm not saying I didn't take it seriously the first time, but the second time around, I did everything in my power to think, right, let's do everything I can to, you know, try and give the best sample effectively. Mm. Cut out all caffeine. Um, yeah. Really tried to eat sort of more, sort of better food, effectively, more whole food, that kind of stuff, and just did all I can. And amazingly, when they when they came in, so they, they told us there was 28 eggs, and they came in and said, just to let you know, the sample you've actually just given is actually good enough for natural birth. So, by actually, by the sounds of it, oh, I you know what? I took a tablet as well. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but there was one extra tablet I inc incorporated. Victoria did some research online and came across it. I, I should know what it is. Took that. So either the cutting out of the caffeine, either mm. the tablet or a mixture of both, I don't know. But all of a sudden, because this must have been the, because I gave obviously samples when we first started trying and stuff as well. This must have been the fourth sample I gave. And they said, look, this is, this is good enough for natural. So the, what that meant was they said, you've got 28 eggs. We can actually we're going to halve them. So instead of all going ICSI, which is what we had to yeah. do the first time, they said we can actually try fourteen ICSI and fourteen um, IVF with your permission. Like that's if you want to do that. So we said, yeah, yeah. of course, hundred percent. So um, we did that, and we ended up with four, four yeah. um, 
embryos for embryos so we went with the best quality one again um which turned out to be george yeah. and we've actually got we've actually got three in the freezer so to speak right. yeah. okay. so you can pay year, it's either monthly or yearly you pay, you effectively pay to keep your um frozen frozen embryos wow um and i say well because if you hadn't told me the story i'd have no idea that this is how it all works you know? literally yeah. have, and that's almost why i wanted you to come on because it's not even taken for granted it's just ignorance it would be ignorance on my part about what the the, the process but yeah um, you know what though I, I was exactly the same i didn't i didn't have an i did not have a clue what the hmm. that what the journey we was about to go on entailed anything like that i didn't realize i had to bloody inject victoria i didn't you know yeah. nothing like that um and we're just so so lucky that we went that day on the off chance because we thought you know what let's just get tested by mistake because if we hadn't done that we could be two yeah. years behind we wouldn't have george now um and a, a good a funny story is well not so much funny but um we when i broke it to my family um i just said to, because i've got an older brother as well I said to my older brother like because he's i think three or four years older than me and he's, he's got a partner just out of interest if you have you ever been checked out and he's like no so that he went and got checked he's over in new york and he had the same problem as me right so if if we hadn't have done it he might be and thank god they decided to go through ivf and first time lucky they're actually due in october oh, pass so on my congratulations with, yeah so and that's why and i always said to victoria and she agreed with me that at the moment everything's gone okay we, we would love to share a bit of awareness over social media because i've got as i say i've got a good following <clears throat> as soon as it happened i, I you know I, I think i did a post i think it was called how a how a fertility mot hmm. changed my life because it did yeah and i just said to people look even if you are not ready now go and get tested because i think it costs i think it was 500 quid for the both of us i think you can yeah. do it individually i, I couldn't tell you the cost but it was 500 quid we did it privately and it changed our life for the better so i i put a post out there and i had so many people so many mm. people message me not only saying the struggles they're going through yeah but i've had so many people message me go oh my god i've we've been tested and thank God we're okay. Or I've, I've had a few people saying, fuck it, I've been tested and actually I've got problems. So thank you so much. So it's amazing mm. really. And it's, as you said, like initially, stereotypically, everyone thinks it's the female with the problem when actually a lot of the time it's the male. And I personally yeah. think it's a lot to do with processed food, alcohol, yeah. that kind of stuff. You know, back in the day when there was less processed food, there, there weren't really these, these problems. Whereas now it's everywhere and everyone has it. Let's face it. There, there are a lot more problems so when do you, so with the process you go through once like they've said right this works okay you're victoria's um pregnant now do you still have to like is there still like the the general risk factor of but it could still do you get do you go yeah you absolutely yeah of course yeah absolutely so even though you've been told okay you got four you still have to ride out the the pregnancy, so to speak, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so you see, you know, um, we, we were still regularly going for checkups. You're still mm. absolutely panicking, thinking, you know, something's going to go wrong. Of course, like Victoria, you know, every other day is like, you know, I can't feel the baby move, and you panic, and you go, you know. So there was all the stresses of a normal pregnancy. There was all the risks of a normal pregnancy. Even some doctors, we got conflicting information, but a lot of doctors would say that you know there's more risks because it's an IVF baby and that kind of stuff. So yeah. Um, and what we've obviously got the th and we've got the three eggs in the in the freezer, but they, you know, they won't necessarily work. They, we we could, for example, like mm. what we had the first time, yeah. Um, you you could try with them and, and they're not work. And there's yeah, there's people course, out yeah. there who there's people out there we know that were you know were seventh and eighth time lucky and went through a hell of a lot more than me and Victoria did. Um, so and there's there's so many people out there doing the same. So it is so common. It should be talked spoken about more. Hundred percent. Um, I think a lot of people are embarrassed about it. And that's yeah, what I, that, yeah. was, that was again one of the post one of the reasons I, I did the post because I wanted people to feel that it's actually a lot more normal than you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You shouldn't be embarrassed about it. If anything, talking about it will will help you hundred percent. You know, you know, with any kind of problem, if you if you open up and talk about it, you feel better. And that's ultimately <clears> why <throat> I wanted you to do this because I think knowing you when you when I first saw you post about it. I th I'm not going to lie, Rob. I think my first reaction was, "That's brave." <laughs> I don't, I don't even know why, Rob. But I just thought, "Wow, that's that's brave, man." Because not everyone would want to admit 
to that. Yeah. And yeah. I, I had to respect you highly for it to just be like, this was the story and I'm not hiding from it. Um, so yeah, no, I, 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 I it's, it's kind of like, um, not that I'm equating it to, to mental health, but just to use the analogy, if you don't talk about something, nobody knows about it. Yeah. And just to add to it, one thing I haven't mentioned, one thing I haven't mentioned as well is I am a fit, healthy guy. Mm. I, I rarely drink. I, I, I don't go out much, I, you know, that kind of stuff. And the fact that I am healthy, fit, I'm active, um, and have those, and had those problems, it, it just shows, you know, and on the flip side, you might get people who are bloody, drug addicts that have babies no problem so no matter how fit healthy active you are or you think you are um you should still if in my opinion in the future if you want to have a family you should definitely get checked out most definitely and of course um as i said at the start you now have four month old george um, yeah. <laughs> so this is this is your chance this is your chance to to kind of like wax lyrical and uh say what the obviously the process of birth, but like you, you are forever posting. I don't think I announce, I say this as your friend. I don't think I've ever seen you this happy. Honest to God. Um, yeah. in, in all the time that I've known you, it, it even tops Bromley's promotions. <laughs> you know what? I don't no. think I've ever seen you this buzzing in your whole life. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like, um, you don't, I'm sure any parent agrees. You, you, you don't feel you you i didn't realize love like this existed you know it's mm. it's mad and i don't know if that's just because of the, the process we went through i'm sure it isn't just that but i think that makes it even more special but no i am i'm so content like you feel like you've got more of a purpose and that kind of stuff um no he, he's he's amazing you know of course there are some stressful times but he could you know he could cry his eyes out for an hour and then all of a sudden does one little smile and everything's good again you know so no it's incredible and you know being a parent is yeah it's, the, it's actually the best thing that's ever happened to me it really is ladies and gentlemen um if you are um somebody thinking about having kids etc and you've listened to uh to, to to rob's story there we are not, i am not on this podcast um advertising for everyone to now go and just have kids immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but no the, the the purpose like i say um of the episode overwhelmingly was to hear rob's story um and if you've listened to this and parts of what rob has said has resonated with you in any shape or form or there's somebody you know who that particular story might resonate with um with with rob's permission i'm sure rob wouldn't mind if you want to reach out to him if you want to reach out to him and just say, I don't know what you'd want to say. You may want to say, oh, what what company did you yeah, go yeah. through or, or uh, et cetera, things like that. Because uh, like I say, I don't know anybody's story who's listen, listening to this and there may well be somebody who this changes something for them because they hadn't previously considered uh, something like that. So I just want to say thank you, Rob. Um, no, absolute pleasure. And yeah, just, just, to add, just to add to that, yeah, I, I say it frequently on my Instagram. I say my inbox is always open. Any, any kind of questions about it, I'm very open with it. Um, and I'm happy to help for sure. I know it's been great. It's, it's been, been great. And I think it's important, as I say, that there is more awareness spread around it. Most definitely. So people look in the description below, either during this episode, after this episode, before this episode, if you want, if you already have done, you'll see all the links to Rob's Instagram, Rob's online coaching company um and get in and rob's twitter sorry so get in touch with rob with regards to whatever then i listen i don't know with podcasts there's with podcasts there's always something that resonates with someone and everybody every every listener is different so if you do want to get in touch with rob the all the all the links are there for you to do so but rob as I said to you beforehand, I was trying to make sure that it wouldn't go over an hour. We're gonna be just on <laughs> we're gonna be just on time. Thank you so much for, for coming on, Rob. Much appreciated. Pleasure. Thank we'll, you for having me. We'll catch up um out outside of this. And um I've just whilst recording this, I've just looked in the mirror. I might have to hit you up with some online coaching. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure i implement a calorie deficit <laughs> to, to, to have the necessary um impact but thank you once again rob for coming on pleasure mate thank you most definitely ladies and gentlemen that's been another episode of the game is the game with your host Marshall saint patrick hewitt thank you and good night Thank you for listening to The Game is the Game with Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt. 
If you enjoyed that episode and you'd like to find out more about the work I do, you can head to linktr.ee forward slash mashstpaddy. If you'd like to find me on Twitter, you can find me at mashstpaddy. And if you'd just like to email me about anything you're interested in or that episode made you think about or anything in particular, you can email me at mstpatrick at gmail.com.